0: that I love to be. It's the place that I was in Canada. It's my kind of second spiritual home. We first visited there, I think it was 1998. Um, and so it was a bit of a, a, a blessing to be back after I hadn't been there since just before lockdown. So it was really good to be there. Uh, I think I made about 15 or 16 visits to that place. So it was lovely to return. And they did ask me to pass my greetings on to you here, folks and their thanks to you for allowing me to go. So I really appreciate that very well. A couple of other things just to say as well. Brother Brian from South Shield, you know he's been absent for a wee while. I called him just before I went to Canada, and he was very appreciative of my call. He says he had loved his times with us, and he misses his times with us. He's not been well. He didn't actually specify why he'd not been well, but he said he had not been well and hopes to come back as soon as he feels better. So I did tell him that we would continue to pray for him and he he was very appreciative of that. Not to steal the thunder from Saturday but Hope Explored. But Hope Explored is a very interactive gospel experience. It's not just a presentation from the front. There'll be without getting into details, there'll be tables that people will be seated at to Encourage discussion both before and after the DV presentation. So there's actually something for everybody to do, whether it would be to sit and discuss or help with the catering or anything like that. So I would encourage all to be there if you can. We've used it in prison and we've enjoyed very much, John and I, in using it in prison. So I would encourage you to do that. And I would encourage you to pray for the Bible exhibition next week in the jail. This is quite a remarkable experience and quite a remarkable opportunity. It will be open to all prisoners and all staff as well. They've also invited every chaplain in the North East prisons to come and see it one day it's also been publicised in the National Chaplaincy Newsletter this week, so the Chaplain General and everybody else knows about it, and really there is potential for this to be used extensively in prisons in England and Wales, and maybe Scotland and Ireland as well. So we would encourage you to to pray for that. We'll begin in 6.30 every morning, come out at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, so we would really ask you uh, to pray for that. So I'm going to read the scriptures to you tonight. Um, I'm going to read from... Psalm 119. Now, there's a few things about Psalm 119 that are really important. Okay, One is, it's the biggest chapter in the Bible. That's one of the things that's really, really important to it. And it's more than 150 verses. I'm just going to check. In the authorised verse, it's 176 verses. So it's the biggest chapter in the Bible. It's also a very significant chapter because it's in Hebrew, which is the original language, it's an alphabetical psalm. So there's, it's not random, it's actually a very clearly structured psalm. And every section, if you've got a Bible, you'll see it's in sections. And the first one maybe has got Aleph at the top, which is the Hebrew equivalent of E. And so every verse within that section begins with that Hebrew letter. Not the same in English, but what I'm saying to you is Psalm 119 is a really, really important psalm. And it would be no surprise to you to find out that Psalm 119 is about one subject. There's only very few verses. I reckon there's five or six of the 176 verses that don't make a reference to the Word of God. So, would you not think it was significant that the biggest chapter in the Bible is all about the Bible itself? Okay? So, so you might think I'm kind of losing my mind tonight. Uh, But, you know, they say as you get older, you go kind of into your second childhood well i'm maybe getting into my second childhood because I, I want to talk to you tonight about the importance of bible reading not just when we get together like this but the importance of individual bible reading when i was a boy 100 years ago one of the very first choruses you would be taught as a children is jesus loves me this i know right jesus loves me this i know and you know what the second line, line is for the Bible tells me so. And as I get older and older, I suddenly realise how important it is to have our foundation really fixed on the Word of God, have our roots down into the Word of God. And so I want to read tonight from a few verses from Psalm 119 and then a few in the New Testament just to, to, to show you how important it is for us to read our Bible. What would we know about God if God didn't speak to us? Eh? What would we know? Well, we would know some things about God, wouldn't we? Because the Bible says that the whole creation declares the glory of God. So creation displays his glory. And actually it says that from the beginning of the creation, the things of God are clearly understood by the things that are made so that they are without an excuse. Right? So, so we would know about God just by creation. We would also know God because he's given us a conscience. He's given us a moral conscience inside. But we would know very little about the God of of the universe if God didn't speak to us. And God does that right from the beginning. If you know the Genesis account of creation, what did God do? How did God bring creation into being? And God said. And God said. And God said. And God spoke right from the very beginning. And John's Gospel calls the Lord Jesus what in the beginning was the, the Word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And while the Bible's the written Word of God, the Lord Jesus is the living Word of God. He's the embodiment of the Word of God. And so, I want to talk tonight about how important it is for us to read our Bible. Right, okay, again, you think, you've come all the way from Canada to tell us it's important to read our Bible. We know that stuff, right? Well, bear with me and see if I can help a wee bit to put it in your mind. Now, what I mean by reading your Bible is this. Getting the Word of God into you and you can do that in a variety of different ways. Until technology recently, paper and ink was the, the main way, wasn't it? But now you can use iPads, you can use your phone. And one of the things i found particularly helpful is I use an audio Bible. And so when I'm talking about reading your Bible, what I'm talking about is getting the Word of God into you. Whether you do it by paper and ink or iPad and, and, and digital or listening to your Bible, just get the Word of God into you. That's, that's my big lesson tonight, Okay. So so let's read a few of these verses. Psalm 119, verses 9 to 16, will be the first one. It's one of the sections. It's the second section. And you'll see as you go down through this section the different ways the Lord refers to his word, okay? Wherewithal all shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereunto, unto thy word, thy word, okay? With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hidden my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. Teach me thy statutes with my lip, I have declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. And if you go down through, if you get a uh, an authorized version, it will be different in the ESV. There's things like law, testimonies, ways, precepts, statutes, commandments, judgments, Thy word, Thy testimony, all those sort of different ways of saying the word of God. The word of God. So let, let's read in 100, verse 105 to 112. Just another one of the sections says this. So substitute when it comes to those words, statutes, judgments, precepts, commandments, word. Substitute Bible in there, okay, as we're reading it, just just to help us. Psalm 119, verses 105-102. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform it, that I will keep thy righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. Accept I beseech thee the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. My soul is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget thy law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred from, erred from thy precepts. Thy testimonies have I taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes always even unto the end. Now, we could read other verses, but... We're going to get into the New Testament now in 2 Timothy, but I was last night, I didn't sleep well last night, I'm still on some other planet or time zone, I don't know what it was, so I decided just to put in my earphones last night and listen to Luke's gospel, you know, we're doing Luke's gospel at the moment, and one of the things I do when we're studying a book in the assembly is I just try and saturate myself in it when I can, so I put my earphones on and I was listening to Luke's gospel last night, and in chapter 4, we'll get to it eventually, the Lord Jesus is being confronted with the enemy, you know, the the, Satan. And the Lord Jesus, what does he do when he's fighting the enemy? What's his resource? What's his weapon in spiritual warfare when he's faced with the greatest and strongest spiritual enemy of all? The word of God. It is written. It is written. It is written. And then he says this in Matthew 4. He says, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And the Lord Jesus obviously had this very high value and worth for the word of God. And he depended on the word of God. If you know what I mean by that, the Lord Jesus was dependent on his word to even be here. So let's go to 2 Timothy. And we, we did some of this stuff when we were studying Second Timothy. But it will do good just to remind our heart. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And this is Paul's kind of, it's actually chapter 2. I mean, sorry, make your pardon. Verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, can you see that when it says rightly dividing the word of truth? It means there must be a wrong way to divide the word of truth, doesn't it? So what it means is that when you come to the Bible, you can't just make it say what you wanted to say. You have to think carefully about what God intended it to say. So it's what God has to say that matters not. You know, I've I've been to Bible studies, and please don't misunderstand me, I'm not criticising, but somebody will read a verse and then they'll say, Andrew, what does this verse mean to you? And Andrew will say, this verse means to you, now we'll go, uh, John, what does this verse mean to you? Oh, no, this verse means this to me. And suddenly everybody's got their own way of thinking about the verse. And understand that that's application. But when we come to the word of God, God means something very deliberate and specific when he says his word. And we have to be clear about what God's saying in his word. And it's called rightly dividing the word of truth and rightly understanding the word of truth. So we will go into chapter 3. And we'll go to those verses that are up there. Starting at verse 14. Paul says to Timothy, "But continue thou in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them, and that from a child you have known the holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished." unto all good works. And that's the kind of core of what I want to say tonight. If we take, say, verse uh, 15 out of that, and it says, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, which is through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. A preacher of the the, 19th century was asked, what's more important, praying or reading the Bible? He was called Spurgeon, right? This is what Spurgeon's reply was. But Spurgeon's reply was this. What is more important, breathing in or breathing out? You see? There's not one more important than the other. We're absolutely dependent on both. And so we're going to think, particularly tonight, about reading your Bible. Have you ever been asked an awkward question after a meeting? I have, many, many a time. And when I was a boy, I was... I used to travel with an older man who was a great help to me, but he was never afraid of just challenging me, right? And one night, sitting outside air station, I can still remember sitting in his car, as he was about to let me out the door to go into uh, my my halls of residence there, he says to him, so Jim, how do you read your Bible? I said, well, what do you mean, how do I read your Bible? He said, well, how how do you read your Bible? But to be quite honest you folks, I was just kind of reading my Bible at random, to be honest with you. I was just kind of opening it, and once I'd finished Philippians, I would think, where will I go next? Or if I was really struggling for time, I'll, I'll read a, a little psalm. I'll read a psalm tonight. Just to, and I didn't really have a, a way of reading the Bible. And so this man encouraged me to read the Bible in an, an orderly way, right, an orderly way. Because the Bible is not just a random collection of writings. There's two things you have to know about the Bible. The Bible is progressive revelation from God, right? God reveals himself in a progressive way, right? So, and he reveals himself, so he doesn't reveal himself all at once at one time. He just builds on truth as you go through the Bible. So when Jesus came, this is what the Bible says, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. So God was building up, building up, building up, building up, till the Lord Jesus came. And so in Hebrews chapter 1, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spoke in time past by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us in his son. And so the Bible's progressive. So as you go through the Bible, you can see the way God unfolds truth. And he gives us precept upon precept, line upon line. You, You know, when you learn arithmetic, you're eventually going to learn algebra, right? But you don't learn... Equations in primary one. You learn addition, subtraction, multiplication and division and you just get it added on, don't you, as you go on. And so the Bible's like that. As you read through the Bible it's God's progressive revelation of himself, God's revelation of his purpose, God's revelation of his son. And it's progressive. So you have to get a grip of the whole Bible and you have to get it in order. The Bible's also Systematic revelation of God's truth, right? So God doesn't just randomly reveal this now and this bit next. It's like a, it's like a, a step by step progression to understand the purposes of God. So in the, the purposes of God, He'll choose a man called Abraham, and through Abraham, He'll choose a nation, and through the nation, He'll bring forth the Lord Jesus, and through the Lord Jesus, He'll bring into salvation. And it's systematic revelation. It's not random. It's not chaotic. And so ah Adopted a a, a a reading scheme. He gave me that. That's my very first yearly Bible reading calendar that I got when I was twenty-one years of age. So I put it in a frame so it doesn't fall to bits. It's now it's now very old. Okay, and that's my original very very and um, and that takes you through the whole Bible in a year and if you go through the whole Bible in a year it takes about 20 minutes you get an understanding of progressive and systematic revelation it's like it's like the it's like the picture in the front of the jigsaw puzzle you know you, you know you get a big picture and then once you get the big picture all the little bits fit into the right place and that, that's the way you read your Bible the other question he asked me was when I read my Bible when did I read my Bible uh, <laughs> and to be quite honest with you, I just read it when I had time to be quite honest with you, right sometimes that was in the morning very rarely in the morning because as a student you don't tend to get up until you really have to get up and sometimes that's afternoon if you don't have lectures in the afternoon and so I didn't really have a time for my Bible reading and I would get up, rush out in the day and then I would come home at night and I would actually probably be too tired to read my Bible and so, not intentionally but just by virtue of my lifestyle, I didn't have a Bible reading time. And so I disciplined myself to have a Bible reading time. This man encouraged me to discipline myself. Now, I'm a morning person. I don't know what you are. I'm I'm much better in the morning than I am in the evening. So I disciplined myself to get up in the morning and do my Bible reading before I do anything else. If I try and read my Bible after supper, after tea, I'm still in Canada, uh, after tea, I'm so too tired that I can actually fall asleep while I'm reading my Bible, right? So, this man encouraged me to find the part of the day that was the best for you, where you could give it your best attention and the best time and read your Bible. So that's what I'm encouraging you to do. But what I want to do t- t- tonight is I want to talk to you not just about why you read, how you read the Bible, how you read your Bible, when you read the. Bible. Why should you read your Bible? Why should you discipline yourself to a time and a place and in an order to read the Bible? Because the Bible's not an easy book to read, folks. It's quite a love book for a start. And it's a quite a it's a book that was written in a different age, in a different culture, and, and it's a really you need to apply your mind when you read your Bible. You know, It's not like reading the comics and the and, and the, and the daily paper. You really have to apply your mind to read your Bible. So you need to understand the motives. Why, why should I take time? Why should I discipline myself in the day to have a time and a place and a, a scheme? Why should I do that? Well, I've got at least seven reasons why I think we should take time to read our Bible every day. Just rewinding a little bit. There's a man called... Job in in the Old Testament, right, and if you read about Job, you'll discover this, nobody went through deeper trials than Job, right, he lost everything, he lost everything, he even lost, he lost all his family, he lost all his wealth, he he lost everything, and he was, and the Lord said to the enemy, you can touch him, but you're not going to take his life, okay, the Lord has determined those things, right, okay, and it's funny, as I was dealing with that young family in the other place, the wee baby that died actually had a lot of challenges with it, psychological challenges because of its its background, physical challenges because of the mum and her condition when she was pregnant, all, all that sort of thing. And you know, the baby was born with difficulties. Do you know what the ultimate healing for that baby was? To take it to heaven. That's what ultimate healing is, folks. Ultimate healing is to be taken out of this realm that is defiled by the fall and disease and be ultimately to take to heaven. That's why I don't see if the Lord doesn't physically heal, that's not the Lord not doing what he can do. He can do that. But if he doesn't, if he chooses to take that person to heaven, that's ultimate healing, isn't it, really? But Job said this he said, I have esteemed the words of your mouth. That's the Bible more than my daily food. Job says, I would rather read my Bible than eat my breakfast. <laughs> That's really what he's saying. So I guess what I'm trying to do tonight in a few minutes is just kind of lift the profile of Bible reading in your mind. Here's, here's some, I don't think we'll get through them all. I'll give you them all, but the first thing we need to read our Bible for is, is information, particularly in relation to salvation. Another well word for Bible information is Doctrine. We need to learn the truth from God. We need to have reliable information from God, particularly when it comes to salvation. The big issue of our soul is our soul's salvation. And how would we know how to be saved? Well, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, the scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation. Listen to these. Listen to John at the end of his... John's Gospel. If ever there's a Gospel written for Gospel preachers, it's John's Gospel, isn't it? There's tons of examples and verses you can pull out with Gospel truth in them. John three sixteen is my, my favourite. But listen to what John writes at the end. These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. And we've written it in there, actually. It's on the wall through there. Because the Gospel has got to be not a cultural gospel, not a social gospel. Our gospel's got to be a biblical gospel, hasn't it? We've got to have the gospel very firmly fixed in what God believes has revealed the gospel to be. And if you need to know what that is, you need to read the book of Romans, because the book of Romans is the the book of the doctrine of the gospel. Why am I saying that? Christianity is always theological, folks. It's always theological. You've got to have a doctrinal base for all that you do. And particularly when it comes to the gospel, a lot of spurious Christianity now is because the gospel has never been preached biblically. People have received what the Bible calls in the Galatians, another gospel, another gospel. And so we would need to know if we want to be saved, we want to be saved according to how God has revealed we have to be saved. Repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to have an understanding of the cross. An understanding of our sin. An understanding of the cross. An understanding of repentance. An understanding of faith. And that's what makes people wise unto salvation. Not emotional manipulation. Not feel-good psychological factors. The gospel has got to be biblical, hasn't it really? And if we're going to be saved, we're going to have to know what the Bible says about how to be saved. So the first reason we need to read our Bible is this. We need to know how to be saved. And the only way we can be saved is through faith in God's word and what God has revealed. So Christianity is always theological. But Christianity is never theoretical. Never theoretical. It's always got to have an impact in our lives, isn't it? Because there are hundreds, maybe thousands of university departments around the world that are devoted to biblical studies. Who would know Greek and Hebrew and syntax and structure and and chiasm and and all that sort of stuff. And they would know a lot about the technicalities of the Bible. But wouldn't have the experience of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as as their saviour. And the Bible's written that we might believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And that believing we might have life in his name. So the very first reason we should read our Bible is this. For salvation truth. For salvation truth. And constantly check that we are in the good of that salvation truth. Here's the second Oh, sorry. The other thing I've got up there is substantiation, right? What does that mean? To check that things are right. Okay? So Paul would go out and he would preach, right? And he came to a town called Berea. And it says this to the people in Berea. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, when the the Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica, they received with all eagerness the word, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were true or so. So, in other words, a preacher comes and he gives you a message, right? And you say, because it's the preacher, I believe every word wrong absolutely wrong because number one no preacher is infallible no no, i I would hope that people who stand here would preach what they believe absolutely sincerely to be the word of god and would never deliberately mislead you Uh, 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 we really pray that and we're quite picky about that to be quite honest with you but every preacher can make a mistake right and so these Bereans, what they did was they said, okay, Paul, you're the apostle, Paul. You're preaching us about the Messiah that's been sent from heaven. Do you know? You don't mind, Paul, if we get our Bible to check that what you're saying is right, do you? And I can tell you, any preacher worthy soul does not mind being checked on with the Bible. No preacher worthy soul minds somebody coming with a Bible afterwards and saying, okay, show me, show me, show me where that comes from. I can show you where you're going wrong. So these people were not just prepared to swallow hook, line and sinker everything they heard just because somebody was speaking it out. But that's so common these days, folks. So common these days where people go to churches and they don't even take a Bible and they don't even read their Bible. They just swallow everything they're hearing, hook, line and sinker. They never take time to check it up in the Word of God. And and Paul's saying here, listen, here's what you need to do. You need to check up your Bible, what you're hearing is right. And if the preacher's wrong and the Bible's right, you follow the Bible. You don't follow the preacher. Simple as that. Well, let me give you a few other words. Listen to this. John 21 again. This is the disciple that testifies these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are many other things which Jesus did to which if they should be written, I suppose that even the word itself could not contain the books that should be written. And so, we'll probably stop here. I'll I'll do another Thing the one. There's two words, two important words that you need to know when you listen to people preaching the Bible. One is called exegesis and the other is called eisegesis. right? Exegesis means this takes the word of God and says what the word of God says. And whatever however uncomfortable it is, they apply the word of God to your circumstances, right? And somebody takes the word of God, and if God says it, we expound what God has said, what God meant. That's why I was saying rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we subject ourselves to the word of God. That's what we do, right? Okay? We bow to its authority, and we bow to its teaching. I said Jesus, however, is the actual opposite. You decide what you want, and you decide what you want the Bible to say, and you rummage through the Bible until you find a wee portion of the Bible that maybe can substantiates what you see, And you put into the Bible what you want to put into the Bible rather than allowing the Bible to put into you what God wants to put into you. And so we need to learn not only to have information from the Bible, we need to learn to read our Bible for substantiation. How do you know I'm te- what I'm telling you is the truth? Well, I hope you're going to check over me. I really do. And how do you know when you're, when you're reading in your magazines? or How do you know when you're listening to an internet preacher? How do you know whether he's telling you the truth? Right? Because there's a lot of smooth talkers, folks. There's a lot of great motivational speakers. There's a lot of great personalities. There's a lot of great um, mechanisms of communication adopted these days. And often they're adopted to deceive rather than to edify. And so you need to listen with an intelligent mind. And you need to listen with an open Bible. And you need to say, thank you very much, but you don't mind if I check up on you, do you? Let me give you the other ones. I'll maybe speak another Thursday night. Some of the other reasons you need is sanctification. How do we know how to live a life for God? Well, we know because the Bible tells us how to do it. Preservation. How are we preserved from falling into difficulty and error? By taking heed to the word of God. Purification. If we do make a mistake, how do we get back on the road? The word of God revelation and adoration. We need to find the Lord Jesus in our Bible. And the last one I've got is transformation. Because the whole point of being Christians is to be transformed daily into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how does that happen? It happens as we get to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And how do we get to know the Lord Jesus Christ? We get to know him through his word So, again, you might think, I'm um, returning to my second childhood I do want to challenge you to discipline yourself to read your Bible. Read your Bible every day if you can. Read it at a time that it's good for you to read it. And read it at a time where it's a help for you to read it. Tadouzi and I, you won't mind me saying this, but Tadouzi and I have the same Bible reading scheme. We adopted it. I don't know how many years ago now, Tadouzi. But we we, we don't do it so much now. But we used to hold each other to account, didn't we? we? And we just, I don't mean in a bad way, we just would encourage each other to find out what we were enjoying from the day and when you follow a bible reading scheme if you do it with somebody it helps you just keep keep going like that and that's why i've done this you know the wee whatsapp group with the bible readings and i I try and encourage people to do that so i I will take up again the the christian soldier i will at another time but i just felt coming back home this was what the lord was speaking to me about you know, my Bible reading, and, and when you travel, I don't know about you, but when I travel, all my disciplines go out the window, and I have to be really, really disciplined about how I do it, so trust the Lord who bless his work and encourage you to read more easily. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the word of God, preserved and given uh, by the Holy Spirit, and now kept in our language, so that we read it and understand it. Help us, Lord, to value the word, but only value it much as it leads us to Christ, Lord. We really pray for that, that we might become more than just intellectuals, academics. We might become those that really enjoy feeding your word and grow daily into the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful for the food and for the little refreshment now and pray thy blessing on our fellowship in the Lord's name. Amen. It's only half past two in the afternoon.